Well, I am super excited to share God's word this morning on, on today. It's so wonderful to see you all so, so bright and early, and hello to everyone that's watching online. We are continuing our series in the book of Romans called The Simple Gospel, and I am tasked this morning with taking Romans 6 and 7 and putting it into a 30-minute message. Now, how many know there's a lot of really deep things in the book of Romans, and it's hard to, to uh, mine it all in just such a short time. But by the way, let me tell you, we have a midweek podcast that is new every Wednesday, and Pastor Mark and Pastor Cooper dig into these theological truths a little deeper. And so if you haven't um, listen to our podcast yet. Yeah, I encourage you to do that. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. It's really enjoyable, and, and I highly recommend it. All right. Well, I'm excited to be able to share from Romans 6 and 7 because these scriptures, Romans 6 and 7, are some of my very favorite scriptures throughout the whole Bible. These are scriptures that I've gone to many, many times in my life. They have helped to teach me. They've helped to disciple me, to discipline me, and to grow me up in my faith. And so I'm really excited to be able to share them with you as well. We're going to start in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 to 24. And if you have your Bible, I encourage you to pull it out, pull it up on your phone. We're going to be reading a lot of verses this morning. They'll be on the screen as well. And also just want to let you know, sometimes I like to know what version the speaker is speaking out of. Well, I'm going to be speaking out of both the NIV and the NLT. So we'll kind of be going back and forth with that. But as we get started with Romans chapter 7, or as I like to call this portion of scripture, some of the most relatable words that Paul has ever said. I want to see if any of them resonate with you. Romans 7, 18 to 24. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that I still that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul gets a little dramatic there, doesn't he? Oh, what a wretched man I am. It's like Paul is saying, I'm my own worst enemy. Who is going to save me from myself? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Do any of these verses resonate with you? You want to do what's right, but you don't, that type of thing. Well, thankfully, the very next verse gives us the answer to that question. Who will save me from myself? Romans 7.25, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can we say a big amen to that? Amen. And that's what the simple gospel is all 
about. Now, if you remember, we have a working definition of the simple gospel, and we have it on our wristbands here that are available at the back table, or for those of you online, stop by during the week or reach out and we'll mail you one. But it says the simple gospel, Jesus crucified and risen to set me free. And there is so much that Jesus has set us free from, and that includes ourselves. In fact, that's the main point of my message today, which is Jesus sets me free from myself so I can live free. That's why I'm wearing this shirt today, live free. It's not just about Fourth of July America. It's about living free in Jesus. And we're going to look at Romans 6 and 7 to see how Jesus does this and what it looks like both positionally and then also practically lived out. But before we dig into God's word, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for the freedom that you have given us. Thank you that your spirit is here, and we invite you to remove distractions and to allow us to um, connect with you through your word. Holy Spirit, speak through me and to our hearts so that we can hear from you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've been learning so far in Romans, God's grace and God's grace alone is what has made salvation possible for us. It's nothing that we have done. It's nothing that I can earn. It's simply a gift of grace. And this grace is what allows you and me to live in freedom. This freedom frees us from ourselves by freeing us from the sin that tries to drag us down, but it also frees us from the striving to do good or be good or follow the rules that actually ends up becoming more about us and our effort than God's grace. And that's why I say that Jesus frees us from both of those. Whichever one you tend to struggle with, if we have rule, rule, follower, rule followers here, Jesus came to save you from that. If we have rebels here, Jesus came to save you from that, either one. Jesus sets you free from yourself so you can live free. And I truly believe that whatever freedom you currently have in your life, God wants to give you even more. His heart is for his people to be free and then keep getting freer and freer and freer. He wants to give you the freedom to simply be in Christ, allowing him to transform you more and more into his likeness and his image so that when people look at your life, what do they see? They, they don't see your sin or your own effort. They see Jesus. And that's the fruit that the simple gospel produces in our life, is transformation so that people see Jesus in us. And Romans 6 and 7 shows us how we are free from sin, how we are free from striving to keep the law. And we're going to look at each one of those individually to see how this happens. So first of all, we're going to look at Romans 6, 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in his death, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now this verse 6 is the key to what we're talking about in this portion of scripture. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Isn't that good news? There's a lot there, so we're going to unpack it a little bit and explain it a little further. What this is saying here is that the, the moment, the instant you said yes to Jesus, you died to sin. And baptism is an illustration of this exchange. When you were, went under the water, your old sin self died and was left there in the water, and your new self or new life was raised up out of the water and was born. A person who, by faith, has accepted Jesus' forgiveness, has had their old life nailed to the cross and crucified just like Jesus was. And this makes it so that you were dead to sin, making you free from its power over you, and alive to God. When I was thinking of this, I had this idea of how I could illustrate this, and, and I thought of a, a headstone at a cemetery, at, because a headstone has two dates written on it. It has the, the date of a person's birth, and then it has the second of a person's death. And what these verses are teaching us is that the day you were physically born, you started to live a life of sin, unfortunately, <laughs> due to the human condition of sin permeating our world. However, the day you said yes to Jesus was the death date of your sin life and the birth date of your new life in him. So we have an example here. This is my life. So I was born on June 14th, 1973. Those of you who are trying to do the mental math, I'm 48 years old. And... <laughs> My mom and dad came to Jesus when I was a young girl, and shortly after, I came to Jesus too. Now, unfortunately, I don't know the exact date that I said yes to Jesus, but I do know that I was five years old, so that would have been in 1978. So on that day, whatever it was, Jesus knows, in 1978, I died to sin, but I didn't just die to sin, I was raised to new life in Jesus. And that's what this is talking about here. 
So the day that you accepted Christ, the day I accepted Christ, verse 11 says that we should just consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And I love the way the message translation or um, paraphrase says this at verse um, Romans 13 verse, or excuse me, in Romans 6 verse 11. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. I love that wording, sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. How many of you have ever listened to someone having a conversation in a language that you didn't know? Most of us have had that experience. Now, besides the tone of voice and maybe some of the nonverbals, the actual words had no meaning to you, right? I remember when I was in Bible college, I had an, a roommate. She was French from, from France. Obviously, her name was Audrey. And whenever she called her family, that was before a cell phone, so we all shared one phone. Whenever she called her family, she spoke in French. And I listened to her speak in French to her family for a whole entire year, and I still had no clue as to what she was saying the whole entire year. I didn't know if she was telling her family that I was the most kind, thoughtful roommate she ever had, or if she was telling them that she hated my, telling them that she hated my guts. I had no idea. And that's what this verse means. Sin now speaks a language. It means nothing to me. Sin can't boss me around any longer, and that's some good news. Sin cannot boss me around any longer. It cannot influence my life. The last part of this verse says, you are dead to sin. When someone is dead to you, you no longer have a relationship with them, whether literally or figuratively. They can't control or influence you. And what this is saying is, sin, you are dead to me. Let's say that together. Sin, you are dead to me. And according to scripture, that's the position we now have with sin. We are dead to it, and our relationship to it is broken and holds no power over our lives any longer. Praise the Lord. <laughs> because of Jesus, we are free from ourselves and the power of sin. But we are also free from the law and striving to keep that, to keep it. And I'd like to read Romans 7, 1 to 6. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit 
and not in the old way of the written code, Romans 7, 1 to 6. So let's unpack this portion a little further too. Obviously, this is saying that obviously the law only applies to living people. When you, when you die, you're no longer obligated to obey the law, right? And Paul uses the illustration of a marriage as an example. A married couple is bound by law to remain together until they're separated by death. But when one spouse dies, the other is released from the law of marriage. This same principle applies to your relationship with God. Paul is saying that you died to your first husband, so to speak, which was the law. You died to that first husband, the law, when you said yes to Jesus. This allows you then to be free from the law and to join your life to God and to bear fruit for him. It also goes on to say that before you accepted Jesus as your savior, the law actually awakened sinful desires within you, which resulted in bearing the fruit of death. But now you are fully released from the power of the law and dead to once to what once controlled you. So what this means, the good news of what this means is your life is no longer motivated by striving to keep the law. Instead, you can now serve God by living the new life that is motivated and also empowered by God's spirit. Okay, so let me ask a question here. Let's do a little survey. How many rule followers do we have here? Those people here who like to follow the rules. Okay, about a half, maybe two-thirds <laughs> of us. And I understand I, I get it because much of the time I do too. But I want to say something. I want us to remember that being a Christ follower is about being in a love relationship with Jesus. It's not about following the rules. This concept of grace is what the simple gospel is all about. Jesus crucified and risen to set you free, to set me free from striving to follow the rules or keep the law. And as I was preparing this message, I think the Lord had those of us who raised our hand really in his heart, because as I was preparing this message, this is where I felt God's spirit speaking the loudest. It was as, it was as if he was saying, today, I want to set some people free from striving, I want them to walk out of here freer than when they walked in. And then he reminded me of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, that says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Just like sin has lost its power over you, the law or following the rules has lost its power over you as well. The primary focus now is about your relationship with Jesus, not following the rules. <laughs> and this is where the Jews of that day got hung up because before Jesus came, the way they had a relationship with God was wrapped up in following all the rules that God gave them. Therefore, it was hard to get away from the bondage or the stronghold the law had over them, and they were, in fact, enslaved to the law. 
And they found their identity and how good they were at following the rules. But Jesus came to say, that old way is over. There is a new way now. Come and follow me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus came and said that then and he is saying that to us now as well. The simple gospel here seen in Romans 6 and 7 shows us how Jesus sets us free from ourselves, both our sin and also our striving to follow the rules or to be good enough. And we may think that one is more dangerous than the other, but both put us back in the bondage that Jesus died to save us from. So in Christ, you are free from yourself so you can live free. So I want to say happy Freedom Day, happy Independence Day to you. One of the things that's important to realize when we read these letters that Paul wrote is that they are made up of both positional doctrine and practical doctrine. And what I mean by that is, in Paul's letters, he first lays the groundwork for the believer's position in Christ, much like what we just read in Romans 6 and 7. He explains what God has done for us in Christ, who we are because of it, how Jesus sees us, how God sees us. And after Paul gets us to understand our position in Christ, he then shows us what that looks like practically in our lives. For example, we're reading through the book of Romans right now. So in Romans 1 through 11, Paul lays the theological groundwork. And then remember um, Romans 12, 1, therefore, in view of God's mercy, and then he tells, offer your life to God. He, he then moves to practical application. So 12, 13, 14, and 15 are full of practical application, but it's after he gets us to understand who we are in Christ. Understanding our position in Christ is the basis for our practice in daily life. In other words, what we believe affects how we behave. And the NIV study Bible puts it this way. Paul exhorts believers to display outwardly what has already taken place inwardly. Display outwardly what has already taken place inwardly. If you and I truly believe that we are dead to sin and dead to, the, to striving and to keep the law, we are going to live as if we are. We're going to live free. So that leads us to the question of how we put into practice what we are in position. How do we live free? Now, this may seem counterintuitive, but the way you live free from sin and the law is found in Romans chapter 6, 15 to 23. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, 
which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do what was right, to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there was a word mentioned several times in this portion of scripture that I want to take just a moment to address because it could be a word that triggers some people, especially in the light of our current cultural context of 2021, and it's that word slave. The word slave here is the Greek word doulia, hold on, let me look again, doulua, doulua, and it means to be a slave, literal or figurative, involuntary or voluntary, or to serve. So to be a slave or to serve, whether it's literal, figurative slavery, whether it's voluntary or involuntary slavery, or to serve. Now, in the culture that this was originally written, people, service and slavery was very commonplace. People's livelihoods depended on serving others. Some servants or slaves were put into service involuntarily as a means of survival, some voluntarily served as a way to provide for themselves and for their families. Much like the, um, the jobs that many of us have today, many, uh, many people are in the service industry. We serve others as a way to make money to provide for our needs for ourselves and for our families. And it's with this understanding of the word doulua, slave, that Paul, use, that Paul uses, and he's using this to explain what takes place in the physical realm, slavery in the physical realm, to help us to understand what takes place in the spiritual realm as well. Here's the thing. As created beings, every single person was created to worship, to give control of their life, to serve someone or something. And by the way, you don't have to be religious to worship, right? Every person ever created worships, serves, is a dulua slave to someone or to something. And there's a variety of small G gods that a person can serve. Wealth, status, self, the sun, children or family, vices or addictions, feeling good, the list goes on and on. A person can also serve the big G god. We all, all serve something or someone. Now, here's the thing. God's grace frees you to choose your own master. As counterintuitive as it may seem, I'm here to tell you that you will never be freer than when you voluntarily choose to serve and submit the lordship of your life to Jesus Christ. Every other master is a hard taskmaster. <laughs> they require more from you than they can give you. God is the only master that regularly, without fail, gives you good things, blessings, joy, love, hope, peace, every good thing there is, both now and in the life to come. Now, make no mistake. He requires things of you. 
Simple things like daily surrendered obedience, right? <laughs> but the good news is, is that, that that comes with a lot of grace and it comes with a lot of second chances. Aren't you grateful for that? But like Paul writes in Ephesians 1.3, God gives us way more than he asks. Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So Romans 6, 12 to 13 practically shows us how we voluntarily serve and submit our lives to Jesus. In other words, how we live out practically what we are positionally in Christ, how we live free and stay free in him. Let's look at Romans 6, 12 and 13. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So the key words here, verse 13, do not offer yourself to sin Rather, offer yourselves to God. And a helpful way to remember this so that we can apply it can be summed up in two phrases. Move from and move toward. Move from sin and move toward God. There we go. Move. Oh, I have it opposite. Move from sin and move toward God, okay? Move from sin. Refer, refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, move toward God, answering his call to keep yielding your body to him over and over, surrendered life day by day, moment by moment. Now, notice that that arrow doesn't say move toward rules or move toward law, <laughs> It says, move to God, move to a relationship with Jesus, because it is God's grace found through Jesus that transforms us. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 say, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's God's grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So God's grace saves us from ourselves so that we can live free. And that's just another layer of the good news that we're learning about the simple gospel. With the cross in mind, Jesus came to this earth and acted to set things right in your life and in my life. He lived a sin, sinless life. He proclaimed and showed what the kingdom of God looked like through his teaching, preaching, healing, deliverance. He willingly took the sin of all humanity, past, present, and future. And then after he died, he came back to life, bringing new life to all who would say yes to him. The simple gospel isn't possible without the cross of Christ. So we thought it would be really fitting this morning to spend a little time in worship and interacting with the cross. I want to say thank you to Marky for making this cross here for us so that we can interact with it today. So we have a cross here and then there's a table with some ham hammers and some nails.
When you walked in this morning, you were handed this slip of paper. For those of you who are online, this has a scripture verse on it that we'll put on the screen. Galatians 2.20 is, really sums up what this message is all about. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me so that I could live free. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up to lead us in worship. And during this time, we're going to sing four songs of worship. The first song that the worship team's singing really beautifully encapsulates what this whole message is. It might be a new song to you. I encourage you to just really listen to the words, take them in, because they're really, really good. But, but during this time, we're going to allow us some time to respond to what God's Spirit has spoken to us today. And then, as, so you're going to write something down, and then you're going to come up with your paper. You can write something on the back here, and you can come and nail it to the cross. Now, you might be saying, okay, well, I'm not quite sure what type of response I'm supposed to do here, Kate. It's really up to you. There's no right or wrong for the rule followers. There's no right or wrong here, okay? <laughs> it's whatever God's spirit is speaking to you. Now, I'll explain a couple. I'll give you a couple insights that, that God's spirit was speaking to me, and maybe one of these will resonate with you. For some, the illustration I shared about the tombstone <laughs> may have resonated, and maybe you want to put your physical birth date and then the date of your salvation or baptism, and, and that symbolizes the day that you died to sin and came to life in Christ, and then you want to symbolically come and nail this to the tree. There may be some of us who, here who just want to say simply, write down, thank you, Jesus, and nail that. There might be some of us here that maybe you have never had that moment in your life where you have said yes to Jesus, where you have said, I'm accepting Jesus as my savior, and today is the day I wanna do that. You, you can do that. By the way, we're gonna have some prayer people available as well. So Deanna, would you be available in the back? Can you just raise your hand, Deanna? Okay. And then also, um, I'm gonna have Mark and I over here, that, and we can, so we are available to pray. Someone right next to you can pray with you too, if you like, all right? There might be some people here to say, you, I, I want to say yes to Jesus, and I want someone to pray with me and lead me to him, and we'd be so delighted to do that. Some may want to put the name of an unsaved family member, someone who doesn't know Jesus yet, and you're just putting their name down, and you're putting it on the cross as a prayer, praying that they would come to salvation in Jesus. There may be some of us who have a sin that we've been trying to keep secret, and Jesus is speaking to you that it's time to confess it, and it's time to move from sin and move towards Jesus. There might be some of us rule followers <laughs> that are making the declaration that I'm free and I'm going to live free. I'm free from being good and following the rules. And I'm declaring that it's for freedom that Christ set me free. And I'm going to stand firm and not let myself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It could be something totally different. This is a really personal time between you and Jesus. And we're giving four worship songs for us to just interact, to, to sing about Jesus, to sing about his sacrifice, and to, to process with him. And then to take a step of response by bringing whatever you wrote on your card and nailing it to the cross. And I think it's going to just be so cool as we're worshiping to hear 
the, the nails being hammered into the cross. As we head into this response time, I'd like to read Romans 6, 1 to 14 again, but this time I just want to read it from the message because it has some different language. And it's not on the screen, so I encourage you maybe even to just close your eyes and soak it in, soak in the freedom that's yours because of the cross of Christ. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time, remember you've been raised from the dead, into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Jesus sets you free from yourself so you can live free. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you that you've offered us salvation. Salvation from so many things, including salvation from ourselves. Thank you that you made it so that we can be the freest people around. And thank you that you offer us life, life abundantly, that we may continue to live free. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of us right now about what it is and how you want us to respond. And may our hearts just respond in worship to you because of who you are and what you have done. Thank you for your freedom.